Hey everyone, welcome to Trends and Tings, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing. On today's app, boy, the US election, it was worldwide news, of course, this past week, so we're going to touch on a few key things that happened, of course, chat about old mate Joe Biden and some of the standout things that meant something to us personally. So it's going to be a cool little interesting chat about that. And secondly, Johnny Depp, well, man, he's been in the news again. He had to step down from his role in Fantastic Beasts after losing his defamation case in his domestic violence saga with Amber Heard. So we sort of are going to chat about whether our private lives and our professional lives can truly be separate and how that all intertwines. But as usual, joined by Sydney Lads Gordon. That's me, Scotty. Welcome, mate. How you, was your weekend? It was, uh, you know, we're obviously going to chat about the election. It has been everywhere uh, for the last sort of seven days. Um, what was your sort it's, of reactions to it? It's just been like a roller coaster of emotions, you know, like... Um, at every sort of turn, it's just like, is it, is it finally done? <laughs> is it like, is this just like a psych out? You know, I have actually called the election or do we have to wait another week or two oh, until man. some votes get casted, uh, counted? Sorry. It, I, I don't think I was as suspenseful as for our federal election as I've been for a US election. Mm. And I don't even live in the bloody country. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm more, I saw, um, a really funny thing about sports bets paid out a lot of fucking money to people who um, bet on Biden winning. Mm, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize you could monetize an election. And oh, this thing is, you know, I mean, back it with a bit of money. It's huge. It's huge. The, the commercial scenes of it. But look, let's hold that thought because obviously we're going to be of chatting about that uh, in, a, in a little bit, Scotty. Uh, but look, but, there has been a big, a big thing happening with old mates Adani, which I'm sure you're going to lead us yeah, into. Look, talking about change, Adani. The brilliant minds over there thought it's time for a name change. It's time <laughs> to change our Australian arm um, of the company, and we're going to go with this word "bravis." You know, they're like, "Oh, it's Latin, <laughs> um, apparently medieval uh, Latin," and it mm. in their minds they thought it meant brave, you right, know? right? Brave, courageous. Is that, is that the true? Sort of- is that technically what it means? Or no? <laughs> Because oh. it sounds like it. Like, if you told me that they had changed it because it's brave, I'd have gone, okay, brother. Yes. I can, I can see the, I can see the relation. Of yeah, course, no. Funny thing, it's um, it actually means like crooked or deformed, <laughs> um, or like untrustworthy. And it, the beautiful thing That's is typical. Their like CEO came out and he backed it. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, this is we're we're brave for what we stand for in this country. And then all these professors who know like actual Latin. <laughs> Uh, came out and said, actually, mate, you're wrong. It's <laughs> the complete opposite. It does not mean what you think it means. You're a bit of a joke. And wow. I, just, I love it because someone, right? This is like this is like a marketing department fuck up as well. Mm. Someone, if it's a rebrand, you, you really research the name before you make all that like resource oh, yeah. change. But they messed up, man. man and that's I just crazy, I love man. it so much. I mean, it's sort it's of work. It's fate. It's fate for them. I mean, it, it literally <laughs> just says, there you go, guys. Like, you try to be smart and witty, but you've got the ultimate sort of comeuppance. And, like, you know, I think it's very deserved. I mean, hopefully it's not something they now realize and they go and change again. I hope it, they, they can't. I hope, like, I hope the ASX sticks. is like, yeah. nah, you're not changing it again. Like, you're stuck no, with this yeah, now, motherfuckers. One every five years or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, look, talking of things that sort of definitely made an impact you might have called this one you know if you're listening but of course we talked about it i think on an earlier episode scotty but mm. our old mate kevin rudd had this you know e-petition for the royal commission against news corp which is now officially the largest ever on in terms of the history of, of the country i believe you know with yes. over 500k yeah. signatures and it's getting some 
you never know with these with these e sort of uh, um, e sort of what are they called polls or like petitions online petitions, and stuff. Yeah, you never know how how much impact they're going to have. And I think it was read in Parliament today and stuff like that. Correct, um, it was. But, you know, it, it's huge. Like it's massive that it's got to this stage. Obviously, people are like look into them and really try to figure out what their impact is. And you know, we, we've seen some interesting stuff in in the UK. Uh, sorry, in the US with all the Fox News uh, sort of publications starting to call Trump out and saying, you know come out and accept defeat graciously and mm. i'm sort of wondering is, is rupert sort of getting coy onto this whole idea that he could be under a bit of pressure soon uh you know he's 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 one of his sons he's of course left, left, left the company recently it's crazy yeah. uh, it would be i think it would be so surreal if it actually happened right if this royal commission actually went ahead and boy that would be popcorn grabbing stuff i feel like yeah look it's my favorite thing is it's the ultimate team up you never expected it's k rudd <laughs> and malcolm turnbull both yeah. having a crack at this so look if two of two XPMs can't get something off the ground, then oh. what hope is there for the rest of us? There's yeah. none, mate. There's none. Um, but look, yeah, look, let's not dwell on the on the potential badness that that might come with. Let's jump mm. into our mad things for the week, Gords. Let's. Um, what's on your radar? What's happened with you over the past week that's sort of, you know, brought a bit of life back into you? Yeah, look, there's been quite a few things, but I thought I'd go th- something quite simple, actually, this week. Uh, you know, I think for me, the, the back end of 2020 has started to feel good and as, mm-hmm. as good as it can be in a year like this is. And I don't know, I just, I guess I've had some small personal wins, but I, the, my mad thing for this week is I was out at a, a mate's birthday on the weekend uh, here in Sydney. We're just having a few drinks at a bar and, you know, as the country starts to open up, you know, especially mm-hmm. Melbourne and stuff, um, what was the thing that was a mad thing for me was live music is back in sort of venues oh, and stuff. And thank it was, God. Yeah. it was honestly, I was sitting, it was like sort of this outdoor bar just sort of sitting in like the beer garden area and you like it was so sort of weird and surreal like it just felt like right and normal again to some degree like you know just like an acoustic guy and a guitar and, and, and a singer uh and and it just you know sitting in you know sun shining spring months you know drinking hand just you know great vibe like that's what sort of summer is a little bit about you know hanging out with your mates you know chilling yeah. having some you know maybe having a drink or like you know having a bit of bite uh, bite to eat or you know a bit of food that whole atmosphere i feel like is is what just made me feel like all right you know there's a there's a bit of a light at the end of this and you know live music we know how much especially us too right like we're fiends for the oh. stuff so you know just hearing that little guitar in the in the in the vicinity of like a pub was it was it hit me i was like god it feels good to sort of just be yeah you take it for they granted right building out american pie or sweet <laughs> yeah. home alabama like you know it doesn't songs you don't to normally vibe, but you just love to hear the yeah. fact there's music in the area. Oh, it was great. It was great. And, and hopefully, you know, we're seeing the Great Southern Nights in Sydney kicking yes. off soon. And there's a few other gigs Very happening cute. around Australia. I think, I think Origin Fields is all, one of the festivals is happening in WA this New Year's Eve, which is crazy to, to think that a festival could even happen still this year. But <laughs> um, yeah, mate, look, very exciting. But look, what about yours, mate? What was yours for this week? Yeah. Definitely going down a different path of this, Matting. Um, <laughs> went on to a ghost tour um, at this manly quarantine center here in Sydney. And um, the very brief history of it was it was a, a site set up during the Spanish flu saga. Mm. Um, and a lot of people who came to the country for the first time succumbed to the disease and passed away in this quarantine center. So they do a ghost tour on it. Um, the, the tour itself wasn't spooky. And I think... Mm it's because there was this other group that came with us also like, you know, just 
they just were there to have a laugh, you know, like yeah, every room you go into is pitch fun. black and it's atmosphere building and someone just turns their phone on and shines a, a light around the room yeah. and just kills the vibe. Um, or they just, they're really like giggly and like just yeah, too yeah, noisy. Yeah. And it just, it absolutely killed the buzz. Um, and as a skeptic, I was sort of hoping for a little bit of something. Like mm. you're a skeptic. A tap on the shoulder to be proven yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, and so look, in terms of the, you know, in terms of the paranormal experience, nothing was even on my radar, which was a bit of upsetting. But I think the real value I found was um, just find out the history of the place and comparing how a quarantine for a pandemic, which is mm. the, panic, uh, the Spanish flu was, how that was dealt with compared to now. Like people were bathed in acid. Yeah. Um, which, you know, having that and now people complaining about being locked in their house for like a month or two. It's, it just puts a lot of perspective into terms, oh. sorry, in terms of how we handled this pandemic. It's super timely. Um, so definitely appreciate the fact that we have had quite mm, a lucky, definitely. you know, hard thing to say though, um, response to the pandemic. And I think if anyone lives in Sydney and hasn't had the chance to go to the Q Centre, definitely recommend easy 45 bucks worth, you know, worth the visit. Mm, absolutely. Um, but look, I think two very different experiences we've had over the last week. <laughs> um, let's jump into our next segment called What We're Vibing. I can see you've got some music. You've got a TV series. You also got a music recommendation I didn't even think was on your radar. So I'm very this, interested to hear. Yeah, look, it's two very got. two very different suggestions. Three very different suggestions, if I have to say so. Uh, I'll skip through them because I sort of want to – I know we want to leave a lot of time for the for the U.S. election and, and Johnny Depp's story. So first one here is Cancelled by Day One, another Aussie hip-hop uh, rapper uh, out of Brisbane, I believe. Um, again, I sort of mentioned Soju by um, Lil Spacey. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, super Having super good production. This is another just – you hear this beat and you can't sort of – help but just groove to it like it's it's that sort of deep dark young thug sort of travis scott drake vibe a little bit less mm. of the full-on uh you know i would say a little spacey maybe a bit more grime vibe um this is a bit more like you know that sort of u.s sound of like rap and stuff so definitely give it a listen I, i've been rinsing it it's a short one i think it's about two and a half minutes um but it's very just poignant and I, like i said that the beat alone gets me so yeah. if you're into that sort of you know us hip-hop <laughs> vibe listen to that one the second one which yeah it sort of came onto my radar more so due to the message of it as opposed to anything else but oh mate system for down who many of you will know sort of or in the early 2000s and 90s sort of you know one of the big metal bands doing the rounds mm. they've released their first music in 15 years uh basically it's a short Which ep yeah. two songs uh, and this song that i wanted to mention is called protect the lands they have another one called genocide or humanoids uh and look if you haven't heard of system of down before you have listened to them they're they're not for everyone right like they're they're, they're hardcore like sort of thrasher metal to some degree mm-hmm. but they do have some songs that are a bit more chill um and protect the land is sort of in that middle ground between both of them um and the reason that they have released these two songs is that uh, and I'll read a, a bit of the statement here to give you context. Um, it basically says, you know, we as System of a Down have released new music for the first time in 15 years. The time to do this is now as to, together, the four of us have something extremely important to say as a unified voice. Um, you know, these two songs both speak of a dire, serious war being perpetrated upon our cultural homelands of 
Artsakh and Armenia, the current corrupt regimes of uh, Aliyev in Azerbaijan and Erdogan in Turkey, not only want to claim those two places as their own, but are committing genocidal acts. You can sort of get where I'm going with this. So mm. it's a bit of a statement against some sort of, I guess, controversial, uh, you know, rulers and, and countries and stuff like that, which I think is great. Like I'm all for the sort of like political, you know, statement, you know, rage against the machine and that. That sort of like yes. really hot, like drums and, and hardcore high guitars, I think are the real sound of a lot of that movement, right? Like just really just, it's made for uprisings and shit like that. So give it a listen. It channels it's, a feeling. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it won't, it won't be a hit for everyone, but I think the message is what, is what you're looking for in that one. Um, and then lastly, I've got a, yeah, it's, I've actually got a movie here. It's called Freedom Riders. It's on Netflix. Sort of can't believe I, I hadn't been onto this before, but it's a 2007 film. Great little true story about the freedom riders from Long Beach, California. Um, to, to keep it short, it's basically like the trope of like a, you know, a teacher trying to win over like a rebellious class. So it's a trope mm-hmm. that's been done, right? We know this has been done before. Um, but what I liked about it was that, you know, it, the whole idea was that in that sort of early 2000s era, you know, people sort of in those less, you know, well-off sort of areas of, of California and stuff, you know, from different backgrounds like Latino and black and Asians and stuff like that. And basically explaining how this class brought them together by journaling some of the experiences that they've lived mm, out. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, it was just a really, really, I think, captivating watch, especially given everything that's gone on in the world this year. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff about diversity, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, et cetera. And it reminded me of, of me going to school a bit, you know, like out of the western suburbs of Sydney and having such a wide mix of different types of students and, and people in the classroom. Um, so it sort of, you know, took me back to that time. So definitely give it a watch. It's, it's a bit of a long burn. It's about two hours. So it's not a, you know, weekday perhaps movie, but definitely give it a watch a big favorite uh of mine it's got a dope hip-hop sort of r&b soundtrack as well (laughs) there it is (laughs) nas and and you know sort of like farisite and you know all the classics of hip-hop so if you like like that listen uh, go and watch it alone but those are my three scotty you've also got three suggestions what are yours mate yeah the first one is i feel like a track that's been a long time coming it's called it's all connected by andy bull uh four years in the making and mm. he's back with an absolute rip of a track that is, it feels as if he hasn't had a four year break. It's very in line with his earlier releases, um, which is just this really good on point sort of like mellow pop track. You know, his mm. voice is quite poignant and quite um, soft to sort of hear. And he, he's got these really mellow undertones throughout his tracks. This particular one, I feel like if you listen to anything by Methyl Ethel, there's a lot of similarities mm. in the production value. Uh, and my personal favorite thing is uh, Andy hinted at more music to come out later this year. So, nice. I mean, he's definitely following up this one track with a bit more momentum bit more and yeah. hopefully it means a new album anytime soon. Uh, next recommendation is a whole album. I've definitely been getting into listening throughout whole albums recently. Mm. This one, Disco by Kylie Minogue. I feel like she's a bit of a musical chameleon because she's done everything from pop to country and now disco. And it's not like a serious disco album. It's very mm. cheesy. It's very like cliched. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I say that in the sense that it's like a, it's just a fun take on disco. You know, there's some very serious disco bangers you've come across. And this is just like a, I want to make disco tracks to have fun and dance to. Um, she has sort of like everything in there. There's the 
typical disco pop ballad, dance floor starter, the, like the last track of the night sort of thing. She explores the whole spectrum of disco. Uh, and I think three tracks I really vibed on here was Supernova. It's got this like electro disco vibe to it with these digitized vocals throughout an upbeat chorus. Um, Say Something is your very strong feel-good anthem. The one you kind of pull Mm. (laughs) pull out a lighter to and wave as you kind of sing along to it. And when the DJ, where the DJ goes is sort of reminiscent of like hook driven dance floor tracks, like uh, last night, DJ saved my life by in deep or hot stuff by Donna summer. So there's definitely like, if you have an inkling for disco, this album will deliver on that. There's something Mm. that you will enjoy. Um, And finally, last recommendation is um, blood of Zeus on Netflix, which is a, American anime, which aren't, mm. they're not typically very popular, but it's very stylized. It explores uh, Greek mythology, but from a new perspective, it's not just retelling stories that we've been yeah, told yeah, yeah. Uh, time after time. The story's super immersed. Again, the style and the kind of quality of the production is just through the roof. It's a uh, Netflix original, so you know they've put some money into mm. it. Um, and the fact that it's compact into eight episodes, I was able to binge it in one day on the weekend <laughs> definitely recommend people do the same um but look there's some really strong recommendations from both you and i gods where can people check them out if they're interested absolutely if you go to spotify and you search trends and things what we're vibing you'll find our little spotify playlist on there and if you go to our instagram link in the bio is a little link tree if you click that it's going to have all our recommendations our spotify playlist as well as some direct links to both you know blood of zeus and freedom riders as well all right, Scotty, moving right along. Of course, this week it's the, the topic, the trend, the story that has been all over the world. It's been doing, you know, major, major worldwide news. Um, that's, of course, our one year that's coming up next, next, next week. No, no, of course not. It's actually, of course, the U.S. election uh, that I, I, we still technically don't know the winner. It's, it's sort of weird that we're still saying that, but technically we don't know the winner. Of course, we do know that most of the sort of media outlets and, and you know, big political commentators have, have called Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the you know, president and vice president elects. So Correct. it means that if everything goes to plan for them, they'll be sort of becoming, uh, you know, the new president and vice president of America, uh, the United States of America in January. So, you know, as it's we saw, not Scotty, too far. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not too far. It's crazy that there's still, you know, the good part of two months until they take the office. Um, but can I just say, I mean, we, you mentioned did a little bit when we spoke in the, a bit earlier. There. Wow. Is all I can say about the, this, this particular election, whether it was because tr- like a character like Trump was involved or the fact mm. it was like so close. And then there was like the postal vote, like, you know, the last big twist of it all. And, you know, Trump re- refusing to concede defeat and everything else that came with it. If it's, it's just, you know, I was watching it and I was hooked. Mm. I, I was hooked to this like it was a like the Game of Thrones finale. Like I was just waiting with bated breath <laughs> each morning checking it and getting Twitter updates and waiting for certain states to be called. And it was like an entertainment. Like it just honestly felt like, you know, a week of entertainment and everyone was talking about it. Yeah, it definitely felt like your old like soap operas, the like bold and beautiful and stuff. Where every episode, every day was an episode with a new twist that kind of just threw you something that you didn't expect. You know, um, Trump trying to you know not have votes counted in particular states, or you know there was this very 
sort of like maybe arrogance, you know, in the lead up to the election, that it'd be a majority, like a landslide victory for Biden. But we sort of witnessed that in a lot of states where they predicted that he would um, significantly overtake mm. Trump, it was, you know, a percent difference. You know, it was a very, um, some very key states were very hard to call mm. um, as opposed to it just being a clear landslide victory sort of thing. So it definitely played with people's expectations. Um, and I think by playing with people's expectations, it gave some realities that should humble people. You know, there's a lot of good things to take from this election. Probably predominantly for me is the fact that Biden won, but mm. there's so many other nuanced things there that I'd love to kind of just chat about for a little bit because sure. absolutely right. Like it's, it's just such an infectious thing to witness, um, just because I feel like the democracy is a little bit of a mess sometimes, like the electoral oh, yeah. college is still a very baffling system. And I don't think I'll ever understand it in my whole lifetime. Um, but it seems to work. Uh, the fact that media calls the election as mm. opposed to like here, we have the AEC, which is like a centralized body that does our elections. Like that makes sense, right? It's logical. It's very but, odd. It's know, very odd. You get it's, it's, CNN it's, and Fox doing it. Oh, it's very American. <laughs> put it that way. Like it's very, you know, United States of America processes. Of course, they just fucking have their own systems and weird shit yes. for everything. But I mean, look, touch wood. I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I'm pretty, pretty thrilled to see Trump go. I'm definitely into the camp of, uh, you know, would I, I saw a thing on ABC News when they were sort of doing some coverage over the weekend about mm. they, they did a survey where they sort of asked people who voted in the election, did they vote because they were a fan of Joe Biden or do they vote because they want to Trump out? Yes. And it was a very 50-50 vote for Joe Biden and for just wanting Trump out. And I feel like I probably definitely move a bit more into that 50% of like just wanting to see Trump out. Like I, I certainly think there are some questionable policies and, and mm. decision-making from both Biden and, you know, Kamala Harris um, about the things and, the, you know, the procedures that they want to bring in and implement. But look, I, at the same time, I, I sort of wouldn't mind, you know, Trump's applying, going for this whole recount and, you know, do the whole, and, you know, fair, I think that's fair enough, right? Like if it's so close, like you're talking about a couple mm. of thousand votes in some of those states, I, I think it's he's well within his rights to go and do a recount. But I sort of yeah. also wouldn't mind seeing him lose twice. Like that's the thing that keeps me sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see him go through it again and, and you know, have to then eat his words and stuff, you know? Yeah, look, the, the recount thing is, it's a little bit mind-boggling for me just because um, in some of the states he's trying to call, like the recount, I think Nevada, um, Arizona, and Pennsylvania are some of the states mm. I think I uh, saw. The fact, the thing he's contesting is a very small margin of votes that Biden, even if you like wiped out those votes, Biden still has the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. majority. And I think... I actually don't think it's his play. I think it's like a Republican play to sell the story that, um, I don't know, like to sell the story that um, the Democrats had suppressed the Republicans and this is why Trump lost. So next election they come around, they can say, do you remember those dirty Democrats four years ago? And this mm, is what they did to President sure. Donald Trump. I think they know they've lost, right? Definitely they know that they've lost. And I think this sort of like recount thing is to set themselves up 
for four years time and it builds them a, a narrative that they try to do the honest thing by Americans but those oh, those dirty Democrats yeah, just try there's to a narrative I mean there's always a narrative with this shit involved right 100% like, yeah and I mean look l- l- before we get into some of the things that stood out to us I mean let's just review where we're at because basically from here as we said we've got the president and vice president elect uh, the timeline mm-hmm. is that basically now each state will sort of as you mentioned certify the results uh, between sort yes. of now and December 8th. So that's a good month of, of confirming the votes, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the Electoral College needs to meet to vote. And I'm reading mm. about, I was reading about, it's like, what the fuck? But they want to meet <laughs> to vote on December 14th. Um, and then finally, Congress meets in a joint session to count mm-hmm. the Electoral College's votes on January 6th. And then finally, process. after yeah. climbing the, doing the pilgrimage, Biden and Harris get sworn in if everything goes to plan on January 20th. So, we, we, you know, we're at the start of, you know, nearly the middle of, of November here. We're, we're talking a good solid three months here. Um, yeah. Or, so, or, or, or best part of like two, two and a half or so, right? So It's still like ages away. It's still, a long, a, it's still a long way away. And the first thing I want to talk about is that whole system, right? Because... You know, obviously with America being sort of the quote unquote leader of the, you know, free world and shit like that, we're naturally interested in the in the votes and in the mm-hmm. in the election um, compared to say other countries. Uh, like we don't know this. I, I couldn't tell you the system of any other country. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's, yeah. it, I, I, but I know the fucking US, right? You know, um, I feel like I could probably tell you more about the US than our own Honestly, true, true. Yeah. Um, but look, let's have this, this uh, electoral college thing for just a quick minute because one thing that I found very interesting, I mean, Biden won the popular vote, right? He, he's about 4 yes. million or 5 million votes ahead. So it's sort of not that dissimilar to the, the Hillary Clinton situation where she was also a couple of, you know, she was ahead in the popular vote, not as comfortably, I don't think, from memory, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, she still lost. She, in that case, lost the election. What's interesting to me is that these 50-50 seats, right, so like, you know, Pennsylvania, Arizona, or, et cetera, where it's like, you know, if, when there's a couple of million votes you know, for most of these states in the state and you're talking about, like, Five or ten thousand votes being the difference, that shit's close, right? Like that's that and that's close. really close. So it, it sort of boggles my mind as to how, say, you know, Biden wins Pennsylvania, right, or one of those states, and there's twenty electoral college votes in mm. that state. Now he's won fifty, barely fifty-one percent of of the votes, right? And yes, he he still gets to pick up the full twenty votes for that area, right? And I'm like, that's what that's one part of the electoral college which I just don't get. Like, why they have you know you get all of the votes as opposed to like say a split, right? You, you yeah. know, if Trump gets you know 50 percent of the votes, he picks up you know 10 of the 21 seats, and Biden picks up 11. Um, yeah, it's one thing yeah, that really boggles me. It gets really insane when you look at those larger states like California, which I'm pretty sure is like 50. Oh, it's oh 53 ridiculous. votes. And so like, yeah, I mean, it's a safe democratic state, but you know, if Trump was to get 10 votes over and get that, you mm. know, 50, 50.001% oh. <laughs> majority, then, you know, it's like, you know, 50, um, uh, votes that he gets. It's the, the, yeah, the way it's structured still boggles my mind. Um, I definitely someone out there give us a good crash course in how the hell this came to be because it's just it's the only country <laughs> that uniquely has this system. There's no other country that follows this messed up 
<laughs> electoral college oh, system. For sure. I mean, it's definitely a bit mind-boggling. And the whole, you know, obviously Biden's won it by 4 million votes, which I think is substantial, right, at the end of the day. Like, you know, most votes in history, right, like basically for, for either both the president-elect and, and the potential yeah, incumbent. Yeah, so it's um, Biden, Trump, and Obama now, I think, in terms of the yeah. most votes. Crazy. Which Trump is still a winner, I guess, you know. <laughs> Of course, he's always still a winner. He's always the winner, right? I mean, that's the, that's his narrative. Um, but look, I mean, let's let's get into a few things that stood out for us, and I'll, yes. I'll kick things off here, Scotty. Basically, the the first thing that that I want to mention is, of course, Kamala Harris, who is going to be the first black South Asian. Of course, she's Indian heritage. Um, her, I think it's her mother's side. I think potentially is mm-hmm. from um, you know a Tamil based area of India, um, and I'm very intrigued to see how she goes about it. I think. There were, I mean, it's it's purely gut feeling, but I think there were elements of, you know, a very tactical decision in in her being the vice president um, choice. And I think, you know, I think she's a former cop uh, and has some very interesting views on things like trans rights and and stuff like that. And Mm. That's what. That's why I feel like the jury's still out with with Kamala Harris. Like I definitely loved her speech, um, her, her you know acceptance speech, if you speech. like, in a way, victory yeah. speech. Um, and I thought she she gave a good good strong message, and she's very confident and and, and all that. Uh, I am very interested to see how she how she goes because in, in in one sense, like I was very proud. I felt very proud watching her give that speech as someone who, you know, before the before the election, she wasn't really on my radar as a politician. Mm-hmm. I knew, and now of course she is, and she's probably got to go down as one of the biggest, you know, westernized Indian politicians in the history of the world. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how she goes because I think, yeah, she definitely has a few interesting views on certain things. Uh, and, and I hope that she can bring like a level playing field to that vice president uh, side of things because there's also obviously a lot of chat about, you know, will will Biden step down after one term and, and potentially, you know, let Kamala Harris run in the next election or yeah. will he stop down during the term and stuff like that potentially as well? Like, so she could be I up mean, there being the president very soon. The, the guy's like 77. Like he's, yeah. Yeah, he's not, he's not pretty young. Um, look, yeah, definitely Kamala Harris is definitely interesting because watching the victory speech and, you know, they advocate for unity, um, unity for black communities, unity for African-American and mm. sorry, native American, sorry, or trans and queer. Like when you come out with your victory speech like this, you definitely need to make sure the policies and perspectives you put into place during your tenure as the vice president backs that up. Oh yeah. No, you, you can't, you can't just say it in, in good faith and then hope people don't, you know, see slip oh. through a, an anti-trans yeah. bill or anything. So it's it's definitely like a a big call and I do hope over the next four years they back it up. Um, but piggybacking off your, um, so this win for representation, uh, across the country saw senators come in who owned firsts in the history of the country. So mm. in Delaware, uh, they voted for the first openly trans senator, uh, Sarah McBride. Uh, New Mexico surprisingly had all women of color uh, voted in the House of Reps, and they were both Republicans and Democrats. So, mm. again, it's not just a Democratic progressive yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Um, and then I even came across um, this individual called Maury Turner who got into the um, state of Oklahoma as the first Muslim non-binary person. Wow. So, you know, seeing a lot of firsts in terms of representation. And I think representation is important just because it gives diversity of opinion 
and diversity of perspective as well. So if we're seeing now a Senate and a House of Rep of these different minds and it's not same, you know, X mold of particular person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be very interesting to see um interesting case for the next four years, especially when now they debate bills and uh argue over law. I you've got more opinions kind of adding to that conversation, I think. Oh, yeah. you do. I mean, that's half the play with diversity, right? You, you mm. bring in that, uh, perspectives and stuff that you wouldn't not normally get. So I, I think it, it's naturally going to affect how, how laws and, and bills are passed and how just, you know, congressional debate goes in, in places like the Senate or the House of Reps or, you know, at a federal level for the U.S. So, yeah, mm. I, I was a big fan of that and great to see it uh, sort of go through. I, I saw, uh, you know, um, AOC, uh, a great yes. friend. And she also got obviously the got squad. reelected, yeah, the squad. <laughs> and um, you know, she was on the offensive today, sort of calling out the 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 Democrats, saying, you know, this sort of truce we've had to get Trump out is is done now. Uh, mm. Now we're going to come for you, and uh, you you better be ready, type of thing. So I think it's going to be an interesting, even though Biden and, and Harris have are going to be the more, I guess, you know, maybe PR wise, the safer bet um, yes. than, than someone like Trump. I think it's still going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out between you know independents and you know, the main parties and, you know, all, all that facade of it. But look, I wanted to mention one thing around, well, just one thing that I can't believe it took this long, but one moment that I liked was Twitter finally fucking fact checking Trump's oh, yeah. tweets. Like it, it, it was good and bad because I was, I was glad to see it, but I'm, I'm sort of pissed. It took this long. Like, why did it take this long at an election? Like one of the biggest, if not the biggest political event in, in the yes. world for Twitter to come out and fact check this, you know, voter fraud and, and shit like that. Like it was the first thing he's ever said that was, you know, for, like potentially fake news himself. Yeah. I think He's lost a position of power and so now he is vulnerable. You know, I think mm. there's a lot of talk for him to now face potential criminal charges for a lot of allegations that have been thrown against him over the past few years. And I think, you know, when he loses that power of a presidency, he, he is vulnerable, he is touchable, and mm. I think people don't fear that anymore. I know it's still quite early to call that um, he will concede as the president. And I know as Biden as president-elect, it sounds quite certain, but I think people are so confident that there's no way he can pull out, you know, some sort of saving grace to maintain his presidency. I think it's easier to call him out, which says a lot about power dynamics. I think, you know, like the reality is we're scared of someone because they are arguably the most powerful person in all of this planet. Mm. So you, you don't really want to challenge him, you know, um, he's, throughout his four years made a lot of enemies and backflipped oh, yeah. on a lot of things, you know, kicked out TikTok, a huge company mm. out of his country sort of thing. So he sort of had that power to really say, well, if you label me as an enemy, I've literally going to pull, I'm going to bring down this whole state's, uh, sorry, this whole country's power and authority onto you. So, Oh yeah. I think he's also I'm surprised. I think he's, I think he's, I just don't think he's going to concede. I think he's going to go, he's going to, he's going to ride on the coattails of like legal processes and, and stuff like that. And he's eventually going to go, cool. Like you guys have taken me out because it's all a problem. You know, I've done everything right. And I'm the, I'm the real winner and I'm only leaving because it's all a joke. Like, I think that's, what's going to happen. Like he's going to drag his feet when he, when he sort of, you know, is, is told to get out. Um, yes. and it's going to be really messy and strange. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's like, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but I think, 
he doesn't strike me as the guy who's going to be like, yeah, well done, Joe Biden. You, you did well. Congrats. You guys, you guys won it, and I'm going to head off. It's going to be like a very much a maybe a dirty end to the whole election saga. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've witnessed for quite some time where there's never been any accountability on his part. Mm. It's always someone else has messed up. You know, he's had many staffers resign from, oh, yeah. uh, you know, roles in communication and whatnot because they've been the sort of scapegoat. Mm. And I think that we'll, we'll see that with this election. You know, it's the it's the fake news. It's the, uh, the mysterious boxes of votes that appeared that, you know, threw mm. him out of the um, White House. It wasn't his lack of you know oh, vision yeah. in a way <laughs> um but there's something and it's interesting to talk about trump like this because my other thing that i found quite good in this um election is the voter turnout the fact that it was mm-hmm. the highest in the history of the country um i think about 73 percent of eligible voters in the country came out and voted and if we look at the popular vote in itself um, 74, I think, million to Biden and it's good 70 mm. million to Trump. Those people aren't going to go away and just, you know, flip oh, yeah. over to um, a Democratic president. There's a lot of work now in there to kind of engage with those people. And I sort of see Biden, he's, you know, um, Obama had like, yes, we can. And other great presidents had, you know, slogans like, it's not what your country can do for you, but mm. what you can do for your country. And I feel like Biden's thing is, you know, there's no red states, there's no blue states. It's, it's just the United States. I feel mm. like this is going to be his catchphrase for his presidency. Mm. Um, and the fact that now we're seeing so many people engage with the political system, which is a good um, reflection of a um, representative democracy working. The, the fact that like 150 yeah. million people voted, very good thing. Um, but it doesn't task Biden with a greater challenge to engage with those 70 million people and say, well, I understand that core thing. It, it might be you, you like someone like Trump or you like what Trump stands for. And so I'm going to try and engage with those values and, and, and make you see that um, we're not United States of America by name, but it is a core belief that they have and they need a bit of unity um, to undo four years of fuck, you know, it's whatever that four years oh, was. <laughs> there's heaps of work to do. Like, I mean, that's, that goes without saying, right? And, that, and that's what I think now is going to uh, await them. Like, you know, things like COVID, things like, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, systemic mm-hmm. racism and stuff like that ingrained into the country, not going to certainly be overnight fixes. And I, I love how, like, Trump fans, have, they've been very vocal. Like, I've got a, I, I know, I've seen one or two people sort of talk about the fraud stuff and they, they've used it as a very nice excuse. Um, one yes. thing I, I find them, interestingly, they, that they failed to mention is how, you know, there was 122,000 new cases of COVID the other day, like on the back of an election, like Mm. this is nuts. Like I can't believe it's, it's crazy that it's even at this level. Um, and they still went ahead with something like election day, right? Like, you know, we're talking about (laughs) Victoria being really bad at, you know, seven and 800 cases a day Mm. with 122,000 cases of new cases. Like that's insane. So, I, I love that that was just washed under the rug and, and pretend like, oh, no, don't worry about COVID, mate. We'll just get through. We need to win this election. Then we'll care, carry on not caring about it and not talking about it. Yeah, look, if the glorious leader, Donald Trump, can survive COVID, then it's something <laughs> more than common cold. Oh, that's of course. That's what, his, that's what his fans say. That's for sure. Um, and look, and this sort of like I think leads into my final thing that I sort of liked about this, um, this election. And I think the way I see it, um, the victory speech is 
give it credit for a time where you can enjoy the moment. You know, Mm. I have a bit of skepticism and you can be a bit critical about how you see Biden as a politician and he will have to deliver on that over the next four years. But he led with vision of hope and unity and sort of like everything without actually mentioning Donald Trump by name. His victory speech was, I'm not Donald Trump. You know, I want to bring this country together. Um, He committed to dealing with COVID and looking at a path out of this pandemic that's not just placing blame on other countries and kind of not taking accountability. You know, he's trying to lead his people through, um, you know, one of the darkest moments they may have had in quite some time. Um, What I like about that is he also married this win with a climate change promise. So um, I know people can be quite critical of the Paris Accord, but He's hoping to look back into it. Mm. And part of that commitment is a $1.7 trillion investment in a green recovery. So, you know, COVID for all its sort of shortcomings has given us this opportunity to look at the future and look how we can, you know, better our lives, whether it's, you know, working from home solutions or big mm. national projects like green deals. So there's a lot of hope and it's still very early. I mean, only as president elect, it's, he's not really the real deal until January, um, I want to wait. I want to ride this hope because really four years at looking at how Trump has handled the US, it's just been a lot of despair. So it's nice to kind of have that oh, yeah. opposite emotion to deal with. For sure. And I mean, look, in, in terms of wrapping this up, because I mean, we've gone for hours for this. And I mean, there's a couple of oh. last quick things that I wanted to mention. <laughs> Firstly, shout out to Dr. Jill Biden. I assume she, she will be the, um, you know, the new first lady. Um, and yes. I want to give her a shout out because she has a Bachelor of Arts in English. How dare she? How dare she have that Bachelor How of Arts, people? She, indeed. How dare she? It would cost her fucking $8 billion to do it in Australia <laughs> from about 2021. But so, so big ups to, to Dr. Jill Biden. Um, the two other things that I, I wanted to mention is firstly, Trump, obviously he's got these three months or two and a half, whatever it is, months left. Um, mm. And in that time, he actually can do, they call it the lame duck period. You know, you're waiting to transition out of the position of the presidency and these are there's a lot right. that he can do um I'll, I'll put one of the articles from the abc in the show notes but it basically gives you a good breakdown of what he can do during this period he can do a lot of things one of the things that presidents in the past have often done uh is sort of give out a sort of like a, a exec, they can give out executive orders like when bush was in in the mm. role he, he commissioned things like bombings in iraq and stuff like that um they often can give exemptions as well so he can give like exemptions to people in his family and, yes. and shit like that, which you, you really wouldn't rule out. You feel like you could just go absolutely crazy for two months and just do some <laughs> wild shit. You wouldn't rule it out for him. Um, so, so keep an eye out on that. And then lastly, I mean, I didn't know if this was the alternate ending to Borat, the second movie, but Rudy Giuliani doing a fucking press conference oh at Four God. Seasons. <laughs> of course, it was Four Seasons Total Landscaping, of course, not the hotel. Um, they've obviously come out and said, nah, it was all, obviously it was planned. We were doing yeah. it there and stuff. I mean, part of me, I can understand they're saying it was planned and heck, maybe it was. But there's, there's part of me where there's like, you know, that, that specific place on one side is like a, I think a mortuary or like where they yes. sort of like, you know, um, you know, I think, what is it, what is it called when they sort of like, you know, they've got one side of that and another side they've got an adult shop in between is this landscaping joint and Rudy Giuliani who of course during the election was at the scandal of you know Borat mm. and, and that whole incident I thought it was fucking hilarious to, to sort of watch him you know talking shit at the yeah. end of it 
obviously he was the location scout for that. And I was like, <laughs> this is the perfect trifecta for everything I believe in. Literally. Uh, I'm just going to bury my career sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I love it. It's, it's completely on brand and I, I found it like a, a very amusing end to Trump's presidency is just this gaffe. Yeah. From I mean, him. I think finally, I think you, to, to end it completely, I think you made a good point. Let's hope that hope is literally what is brought to the, to the, to the country because, you know, at the end of the day, they they got a powerful position in the world. So we can only hope that, you know, Biden and, and Harris bring some good news to America after this whole thing. All right, Gords, for the last topic of this week's episode, I want to add another notch in this sort of never-ending saga between uh, actor Johnny Depp and his ex-wife, Amber Heard. It's, um, mm. it's been messy. Oh. And with every new sort of occurrence, there's been new information that's come out and it can throw you either way. But I kind of want to focus on what's happened recently because um, the fact that... Uh, Oh, sorry, build on this more, but the fact that Johnny Depp went through a court case and a mm. judge has given a definitive ruling, yeah, it sort of adds a little bit more merit because it is coming through a legal system. Um, so basically what happened was um, back in 2018, the Sun wrote an article, mm-hmm. a UK publication, um, that basically referred to Johnny Depp as a wife beater. This was around the time that he was first casted for <laughs> the Fantastic Beasts, uh, movie series, which is a spin-off mm. from Harry Potter. Um, and it was getting a lot of flack because it was also quite recent in terms oh, yeah, of his of dispute with uh, Amber Heard. So Depp of, obviously rejected this label and took it as a defamation um, case. We are now sort of about like two years later in 2020. And after three weeks of what has been known as a very, um, very grueling sort of um, case for both Amber mm. and Johnny. So, a lot of private information has come through in terms of um, drug abuse, domestic abuse, uh, like all things you kind of just don't want in the public light. After three weeks of going through this case, uh, the judge had ruled that, yes, in fact, um, Depp has abused Amber Heard um, and that the ruling is that he's kind of he's lost his case against the son, basically. So it's gave a very damning uh, depiction of Johnny Depp and um, some and a lot of people actually um, pin this as a win for domestic violence survivors. Mm. So, you know, there's some good and good's quite, you know, I say that quite loosely because the whole situation itself is a bit messy. Um, But the aftermath that came from this is Warner Brothers asked Depp to step down from his role in the Fantastic Beasts uh, series. But they kind of backflipped, sorry, backflipped, should I say, uh, because they did originally support him when he was first casted. Mm. So I feel like that's potentially just a bit of damage control. Um, And then sort of looking at this small situation and seeing similar instances. So we see like here in New South Wales, a premier Gladys Berejiklian had a similar personal relationship that damaged her professional relationship mm, with mm. Uh, disgraced um, Minister uh, Maguire. It raises this bigger question for me about our personal life and our professional life and how they intersect because I don't think we're at a stage anymore that they can be separate. I don't think there is discretion in terms of personal life anymore <laughs> and I think um, there are very real impacts it can have on our professional life especially when Everything is timeless, right? Any tweets you now send out or anything that you leave 
in a digital realm can't really be removed and can sometimes be weaponized. And I just, I'm not sure if this is sort of like the future that we mm. really need to be leaning towards the fact that your personal life, there is no personal element left anymore. I agree. I, I look, it's a massive, I'm on the same boat because I think, yeah, I mean this whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, I think, you know, part of being a publisher, writing for a publisher and being involved with that, we've covered this a lot due to the interest in it. Right. And I, I mean, going off what we've researched and what we've seen from a, from a publisher point of view, I mean, yeah. Obviously, we have to be respectful and say that Johnny Depp is obviously fighting these charges and says that he's, he continues to say that he's not guilty. However, like you said, it is a, it is a court ruling, right? So it, that does sort of justify it or put it into paper a bit more. And I think, look, mm. if I had to make a, a calculated estimate or guess about this whole situation, it seems like they they both were sort of doing things that were, were probably not great, like from a, from a relationship point of view. Um, yeah. So... It's, and I think it gives you a good idea of, yeah, sort of going into this personal life versus private life. The Gladys thing has been a really recent, timely example. And I look, for, for, I've always believed that like career and your job and stuff should really just be an extension of, of who you are as a person. I think, mm. for example, if you like, for example, you care a lot about, I think, you know, making a difference in the world, social justice. So it's only natural that you're, you know, in a sort of marketing content and, and sales role for NFP, right? So that sort of aligns some of your own personal beliefs i would say myself i'm i'm quite creative and quite into you know sort of like entrepreneurial business and stuff so you may be natural that i'm running a publisher and, and it's my own business I, like these are just examples mm. right but you know in the same way that if you're creative you might be into something like social media if you go with numbers you might be into into business or accounting etc cetera, etc cetera. so along with those personal skills i feel like your ethical values translate right across those things so um it's one of those tough, tough things to break down though, right? Because you can apply the same thing on often canceled celebrities, right? Can mm. you rule out the, the, the things that they've done in their personal life for their, their professional life, which is say music or, or TV or film, like we've seen with Harvey Weinstein, how obviously people are very anti Harvey Weinstein now with everything that he's done. So that's like a really real life example of, okay, no, you can't, you can't, that you've crossed the line uh, and, and you've done something that, you know, is going to affect you, uh, affect your professional life. And yeah, I, I sort of think the same thing. Uh, there's very, especially now with our, like, you know, the lack of privacy that we mm. all don't have, I guess, um, that whole idea that you can sort of, you know, the one thing I always love is that when you go into Twitter and someone's like, oh, all the views are my own, they don't represent the company that I work for or yes. something. And it's like, oh, well, if you, if you do post that, it's a representation of you. And that maybe represents the culture of a company. So there's fair game for that to be, you know, for you potentially to lose your job from that. So, yeah. Do you think, because I think, you know, I think we can't avoid the fact that the two are quite intertwined. Does that mean that we need to have sort of maybe a more professional lens over our private life? You know, the fact that, um, yeah, if I'm going to tweet a particular thing or I'm going to even just like associate myself with, you know, uh, out of work sort of mm, groups and stuff mm. that I need to be looking at that. Because before, I'd say it'd be the opposite. You look at stuff through a personal lens, like you know, how does how does sorry, how does this particular thing help my personal life? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so private and intimate to yourself. But now it's sort of bled into your professional life. Are we becoming quite 
corporate in our in every aspect of our life and we're sort of looking at everything as because it's sort of like a risk reward thing in terms of Mm. um yeah if i tweet this particular thing am i going to get backlash and then is that going to detriment is that going to damage future job prospects for example or um yeah if i go to this particular rally and i get arrested Mm. uh, and that somehow comes up online then does that mean other people are going to not associate themselves with with me anymore are we sort of professionalizing our personal life anymore? And is there anything we can do about that? I don't, I don't know if there is, to be honest. Like, I feel like that's just the nature of, you know, I don't want to say it's nature of the beast, but sort of is, <laughs> um, you know, the, I think we're just, like I said, going back to that privacy point, I think that's why we see a lot of, like we're seeing like a lot of younger people. And I would, I would just say people in general, like making mm. things like their Instagram profile private uh, or, or, you know, putting their, their Facebook pro, profile on completely private unless you're friends with that person. So yes. like, I, like I've been seeing it way more, uh, especially on Instagram, you know, like previously you just go, cool, yeah, my public, my profile's public and that's it. Um, or people, you know, make like their story, uh, you know, only open to, you know, a select group of people um, yep. because they want to, you know, maybe express themselves in a way that they feel like might not be, you know, it's not for everyone. It's a private expression. So I feel like, yeah, that's probably the case. Like we have to all be a little bit more careful with how we go about our personal lives. And Mm. I mean, to get, and even just to take it back a step and go, how does it affect our professional lives? Like I remember once when I was, I was dating a girl when I was at uni and we were sort of a bit rocky towards the end of the relationship. And I remember we was, it was sort of like a, a, the, the day or two before we broke up. And my like, obviously like my headspace was just not, it was nowhere. Mm. So I, and I was working in like my first career job. Like I had sort of done an internship at a company and got a job there. And I was like, like, I remember thinking, God, I'm like, I mean, there's good opportunity, good role, good job. But I just was so like not present whilst, even though I was working. Um, yeah. And you know, obviously I, I, I kept that quite private from the office, but it definitely moving into this idea of how it impacts your life. Um, I was just like a complete mess. So I couldn't get much work done. So I think to just assume like we can keep those two things separate, like it's one life mm. at the end of the day that we're living. Um, I, I'm not sure, at least, at least on a personal level, uh, yeah. I know that for example, if I was going through a rocky time with, with family or friends or, or my partner or something, or, you know, even just throughout the whole black lives matter movement, it's something where it impacts you quite emotionally. I find it hard to, to separate this idea where you can go, cool, I'm just going to park that for a minute <laughs> and go and yeah. do my, my job, uh, whatever that might be, you know? Yeah. And it kind of raises a question for me then whether there's, sorry, where does the responsibility, sorry, responsibility lie in terms of managing this? Um, uh, is it things like workplace having a stricter rule of don't engage in this particular conduct when you're an employee here, or is it us to sort of then devalue things that we value personally in the hope that we keep our professional job like, yeah, you know, um, Oh, you might be really impacted by the black lives matter movement, but you also have this big project coming up at work. And so two are very demanding, um, needs that you have, right. But you might have to make the ultimate call to say, look, this black lives matter thing, I need to just push it to the side, even though it resonates with so many personal values I have because, professionally that's more important i think it's it's hard to weigh up which which battle you let win whether Mm. it's your personal battles or your professional battles 
Um, and whether you need to do that alone or if, if your workplace, I know there's very like very firm ideas about workplaces and their role in terms of your personal life, but mm. it's also the place that you sink far out, like almost every waking hour of your day into. So I think there needs to be a little bit, needs to be a little bit more responsibility on that part because you are feeding 40 hours, 50 hours a week to this place. Uh, oh, not yeah. just for money, you know, it, again, it's, I don't know if there's a definitive answer. Hey, like I would, I would probably say personally, like it's, if, if you want it to try and keep them as separate as possible, like literally make your private life private. Like, like I was saying, mm-hmm. like take it offline, take it, you know, make it literally what it means and, and don't scream it from the rooftops and stuff like that. Potentially, uh, it's hard, yeah. right? Because it's like, you know, I, I say that, but I also like to express myself on my social channels, maybe for example. So mm-hmm. if I want to do that, and I want to, you know, potentially, you know, show that to new people and new, new friends and um, new contacts and whatever can I maybe do, I want to keep my profile open and public and, and stuff like that. I don't know. It's a hard one. Um, but so I, so I think the jury's possibly out. I think brands are obviously way more caught on to the idea. And I think you'll probably see most brands are like pretty upfront with like what's acceptable, what's not. And, mm. and all that. I mean the one, yeah, like I said, the one thing I would say is, is when it comes to your personal life or your private life, I just think it's, it's so silly to think that, okay, I can keep it. That's why I just didn't buy Gladys Berger clean when she came out and was like, Oh, you know, that's my private life. I keep my private life separate from, from my, you know, my <laughs> yeah. professional life. I'm like, that's all well and good. But like, she was literally like supporting that man, like whatever his name is, Maguire. Like she was supporting mm. him through this, this period. And I'm like, those, there's obviously overlap there right like and there's this four corners report i think come that's coming out tonight or tomorrow um around this sort of quote-unquote like sex ban that they have in like parliament and stuff around (laughs) i think turnbull introduced it and there was this big like uproar about whether the abc should cover right being you know the national broadcaster um but they they were essentially talking about how yep at at that federal level there's no you're not allowed to basically be in a relationship or have conduct with (laughs) other people and i was like it's like I applaud the ABC for covering it because they were getting some heavy, you know, sort of, I guess, criticism from, from parliament, but it gives you another example of like, all right, well, there's often this such, it's, it's so hard, right? Because I feel like so many people in working situations, you get, you become genuine friends with your colleagues. You have mm. genuine relationships with your colleagues. It's so, we see it happen so much, right? Like it's, it's hard. Again, it's just so hard to separate them. Um, I, guess I, I do need to admit that I, throughout my professional life have made this rule not to make friends at my really? workplace purely because of this, just because, um, I, I think like in terms of my personal life, I'm very open and I don't, I don't have a lot of like barriers in terms of what I share with people. And I feel like it, it's a bit of a, not like an invasion of privacy, but I just find it hard to, um, keep that professional friendly balance with people that I'm good friends with at work. Mm. So I've sort of, I've, you know, maintaining a professional job now for probably like the last, you know, seven, eight years, I've sort of made very firm decision early on not to be friends with people I work with. Post working right. with them, different story, you know, like good mates, go have a drink and catch up. But, you know, it's just like, you know, even the simple thing of, um, oh, I had a bend over weekend and, you know, tell someone at work. Right, they, right, right, right. It's, gotcha. a, it's a perception thing. And I just think I keep that private because, um, I don't like the idea of my personal sort of lifestyle choices affecting the 
professional perceptions people have of me. Um, so I, I definitely advocate for it, but then it also makes me very cold. Yeah. <laughs> when I work with people. Um, even the simple like, hey, how was your weekend sort of thing? I'm, I'm very... Oh yeah, it was good. Thanks for asking. Not like, <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. This, this is one, this one supplier we have. It's like, oh, you know, I moved up to the central coast and you know, my, my partner did this and that. I'm like, oh, that's good to hear. And then I don't engage <laughs> anymore. Cold, bitch. Uh, yeah, look, and that's the thing. Like that's probably the repercussion. People think I'm a cold bitch, but I also like don't then give away too much. Right, 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 right. Um, and so look, I mean, that's my golden advice. If you really want to keep it separate, just be cold. That, sure I mean, you're sort of doing it, right? You're, you're being very much, you're almost having your life on private in like you're in real life, private mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because like, see, I'm the opposite, right? Like I'll just naturally talk for hours naturally as you can, I'm sure everyone's shocked, but you know, I'll just go in and be like, yeah, cool. This one happened my weekend. This is a bit of description about what, what went on. And you know, I've, I think made friends quite a lot through my working environments, mm. like just by, by my nature. So it's interesting to hear the sort of, you know, that you're very, well, not necessarily anti it, but like sort of just not going out of your way to make relationships and, and, and cross over that, that private and professional life. Yeah. And look, and it sort of hurts me in the sense of like some of the people I've worked with are super interesting and have like these really rich lives that I'd love to kind of know more about, but I'm not willing to give them my part of it in a way. So Again, it might be to my detriment. I may have lost some really rich relationships just because I just don't want to give to these <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, maybe it's just a, a protection sort of thing in terms of, oh, look at Scott. He's come back from his fourth bender this month. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a joke sort of thing. I, I think that. that's like part of it maybe. Maybe, knows? maybe. I mean, I think overall it's pretty, it's really interesting. And I think if you look at the, the whole Johnny Depp situation, like mm. it would be – Obviously, they Warner Brothers supported him at the start when it was just convictions. Oh, sorry, it was just um, allegations, like allegations and stuff. Yes. And now that it's convictions, they've said, "Well, look, we we backed you at the start. Now we've got actual proof that says you were, you know, involved in domestic violence." Yep. It, it sort of changes things up, right? And I think nat- naturally that's going to impact. I can't even imagine the toll that it's had on both of them emotionally and stuff like that, like both Amber Heard mm. and Johnny Depp. Um, but it, imagine trying to say that you could go about your professional career. I'm sure he could, but without any impact, like I feel like you would definitely have impact, you know, perhaps actors are the best of not showing it, but you know, <laughs> for us every day, sort of like, you know, I guess quite emotional bit like human beings, like it, it's something where I feel like it, it's hard to pre- prevent them from crossing over and, and that's why I think we, it'd be great to see sort of, you know, more openness and more, more discussion around, around it, because no doubt businesses, I feel like are trying to, to be that middle ground and try to be like, no, nah, we mm. want to hear about your, your, your life and your, your struggles and your, your mental health issues and stuff. But I feel like they're all, like potentially also a little bit two faced in that sense. Like it's a bit of a, you know, an image to sort of just show the corporate culture and stuff. Yeah, you know? it's those social brownie points that they yeah, can kind I mean, of claim. And look, I think that's an interesting thing to wrap up. I think definitely there's a lot of sort of like ugliness we're seeing with the situation at the moment, but it's also bringing to light a very serious need to acknowledge that uh, private life doesn't really exist so much anymore. There is that kind of intersection between your personal and professional life. And I think there's a really good opportunity for us all to learn a skill here and figure out how the two can kind of live 
in harmony in a way. Yeah, so, balancing basically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's mate. It's a work life balance. Very <laughs> cool. This, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's, it um, continues to go on. Absolutely. But here we are, God's at the end of the episode. We are, we're in. And um, look, it's been a long one and it's been a fun one. Two very interesting topics, I think, overall. But Scotty, look, before we do jump off, next week, it's it's our one year officially. I think it's the 9th or the 14th, rather. So the end of this week. So next yes. week, it's going to be a special episode. What type of special episode? we got no fucking mm. clue. But no you'll idea. find out next week. We will be, though, definitely. One thing we have confirmed is doing some cool giveaways. That is, yes. that's locked. So stay tuned. As of this morning, we confirmed. As of literally this morning, <laughs> before the episode, we have confirmed it. So stay tuned. We'll be announcing a few of those things next week on the episode. Follow us on all our usual uh, social media spots, at Trends and Tings on Instagram, Trends and Tings podcast crew, to join our Facebook group. Uh, and keep an eye out, because next week's going to be good as we head into the last few weeks of 2020 and some fun things coming up thanks so much everyone for listening thanks scotty and we'll see you next week ciao everyone